Starcourt Study Hall episodes contain spoilers for all seasons of Stranger Things. Episodes may also contain graphic content and language not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts unless otherwise stated, and all content and characters are property of Netflix and the Duffer Brothers. I'm Marina. And I'm Amanda. And And this this is Starcourt Study Hall. So before we get started on today's episode, which is going to be about Chapter 7, The Bathtub, I just want to point out the number of times I mistyped the bathrub instead of the bathtub. (laughs) That's like the worst possible type. Yeah, so this is chapter seven of Stranger Things, the bathrub. Also, before we get started, I just need to point out that this episode or chapter, I should say, is so chock full of fantastic quotes i think most of my notes are about the quotes in this episode (laughs) there are some really good there's just there's so many good ones so obviously we'll get to those okay so unlike previous episodes i'm gonna read the summary which i don't know if i've ever done that Ooh, that's exciting so a quick summary of chapter seven the bathrobe So first rule in reading the summary is that you do have to say the chapter name correctly, but I'll I'll let this one slide. It's your first time, you know. (laughs) Okay. Chapter seven, the bathtub summary. So this episode was written by Justin Doble and directed by the Duffer Brothers. And it did release on Netflix on July 15th, 2016 with the rest of season one. (laughs) If you didn't know that. Amazing. Now you do. Here's the summary. While Lucas warns that the bad men are coming, Nancy and Jonathan show the police what Jonathan caught on camera. The kids flee to the junkyard after a hot pursuit and 11 attempts to reach Will and Barb in the void with the help of a large amount of salt, some eggs, and a kiddie pool. Mad hen? (laughs) Does anybody know what he's talking about? (laughs) See? Quotes. The quotes are are just, they're there. Yeah, this is a really Um, quote-heavy episode. (laughs) Quote-heavy. So, for some fast facts, in our episode on Chapter 6, The Monster, which actually, Amanda and I both thought we were recording that episode today, not The Bathtub. We did. (laughs) Yeah, but in our episode on Chapter 6, The Monster, we actually talked about the poster that's in Mike's basement. It's a poster for The Thing. Mm -hmm. And the movie that Mr. Clark and his date, whose name is Jen are watching when dustin interrupts is also the thing oh okay i didn't know that yeah thanks imdb for that one and then my other fast fact came from the stranger things wiki and this one was really fun i thought so this this chapter is where we get the the van flip so we get 11 flipping the van and this was not cgi so i thought that was pretty cool it was actually two separate shots merged The first shot is one of an actual van flipping, which took two takes, two, two takes to get right. Wow. They were literally using explosives (laughs) under the van. (laughs) And at one point, the van skidded into a camera and cost production like thousands of dollars. But the second time, the van flipped perfectly and they merged the shots of the van flipping with the kids biking. And that's how we get the iconic scene we see in this chapter. That's so cool. 
I'm yeah. I'm guessing that thousands of dollars on the the lost camera was probably still significantly cheaper than doing it CGI, honestly. Yeah, very true. And then the second quick fact, which I thought was just kind of funny, is that this is actually the only chapter of season one that does not feature Mr. Gorgon. Mr. Gorgon. <laughs> the Demogorgon. Yes. We don't see him. <laughs> just to clarify. Thank you. <laughs> So we don't see Mr. Gorgon in Chapter 7. We hear him, but we don't see him. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. All right. So those are our fast facts. Pretty cool ones. So let's get into the scene-by-scene scene breakdown. We open up with Mike and Eleven sharing an intimate moment in which they almost kiss before being interrupted by panicked Dustin, who received a frantic call from Lucas warning them that the bad men, or mad hens, are coming. <laughs> Seeing the repairman outside, Mike asks Karen if she scheduled any repairs, which she did not. The kids flee on their bikes as Marty B and company watch them from the front lawn. Mm, marty b marty b mike says i'm glad you're home Aww. and i thought that was very i sweet. made a comment on that too Aww. i said i wonder what home means to her oh that's sweet yeah we don't know i also think that we get our first malevin moment yes this is definitely the first kind of like inkling we get of like romance i know how much you love malevin I do okay i don't dislike <laughs> malevin i just i just can't do with the gratuitous pda okay <laughs> okay it's just that. i'm 11 and and then mike says she doesn't need a wig i know and so she's sweet. still pretty still pretty it's so sweet and such a such a babby yes um when lucas is is biking and he's like screaming about the bad men i wrote it's giving the british are coming <laughs> i also love how he's like son of a bitch i know and you just like hear him all muffled and like crackly through the through the walkie i know i know it's so good and then of course we get mad hen does that mean anything <laughs> to you <laughs> quotes people the quotes i know this episode was really giving it okay so when mike runs up to ask karen if there's any repairs who is she on the phone with she is on the phone with the Harringtons. Steve's and mother. I would like a word. Yes. yes. I wrote the same thing. I said, is Karen on the phone with the Harringtons? Can I speak to them? Right. Who I are they? I don't know. And what are their names? Where are they? Tiffany. That, yeah. That's his mom. Oh, really? No. And John. You just made those names up? Totally made up. I wouldn't Tiffany believe and John you. Harrington. <laughs> I, thought, I should have let it, that just go. I thought you were going to say, like, yeah, it says it on the wiki. <laughs> nope tiffany and john harrington okay i i buy it okay also so karen is a, a, a very smart perceptive woman right so she, she sees this thing happening obviously like something weird's going on her son is acting like a weirdo and then the government comes in and they're like hello hi um your son is like wanted by the fbi and you know he's in danger whatever and then Okay, all this happens, and then in no other seasons of this show is Karen like, hmm, I think something suspicious going on. It makes me think that they, like, cast Obliviate from Harry Potter <laughs> right? over Karen, because she just, yes, you're right, it just absolutely blanks from her memory. Not to mention, and we'll get to it later, because I asked this question, they show her a picture of Eleven. They do. Who Mike then later dates. <laughs> so it's very confusing it is confusing especially because i always had a question about that as well like even especially in season four yeah. when you get ted who's like what does he say he's like no curfew oh, yeah. no sweetie yeah like, <laughs> like you know who sweetie right. is right they obviously know she exists so yeah it is bizarre very weird it is strange 
again just like with the quotes we have the we have dustin when he interrupts mike and he runs up the stairs he's like mike we need to leave right right now now (laughs) (laughs) and he's all out of breath i know and then if anyone asks where i am tell them i've left the country (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah this the, the opening scene of this chapter there's just so much especially even when karen is just like michael like it's just <laughs> i love when she calls him michael <laughs> i know there's so much going on and there's still pretty yeah. off of the score so sweet and leap of faith hmm. so um <laughs> hold on because marty b is here yes and i separated this out because i got really emotional <laughs> <laughs> so you see papa and the rest of the hawkins lab folk watch the kids leave yes right and this just like hit me in the gut because with season four you get l seeing like i I don't know the just the, i just can't like the face that l makes when she sees brenner see her in this scene yeah. she just looks and then this is the first time that we see her see papa out of the context of her flashbacks mm. and out of the lab she's never seen him out of that context oh, true that must be so scary yeah and it just reminded me of well in papa in season four when he's dying and he says you know tell me you understand and all she can do is say goodbye and it's just you also see mike see him for the first time Mm -hmm. right and then the next time mike sees sees him is when he dies well in the school too he sees him in the school in the next episode yeah i don't know just like watching that scene of l seeing brenner outside of the context of the lab and then pairing it with the scene in season four when he dies yeah i don't know it's just that's a lot Ooh, it is sorry yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh next lucas joins them as their vans begin their pursuit our heroes are blocked by another van turning in front of them eleven uses her powers to make the van flip over them which ends the chase it's time for a 187 it is, mm-hmm. but also all of this is happening and we haven't even gotten the title card. Oh my gosh, you're right. All this happened. The title card has not even happened. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's wild. Mm-hmm. I also wrote, does nobody else see this? I have I have a, a major concern. Is the van going to stop? Is the plan to just run over yeah. four children? Right? That's true. Like, yeah. It, it was just driving at full speed at four 12-year-olds. That's true. Like, what what would they have done? Because then they would have killed Eleven. Right. And I said, pretty sure Brenner doesn't want L DOA. Right. Like, I'm pretty sure yeah. L is supposed to be alive. Yeah. That's so true. I didn't even think about that. What is the plan, driver of a van? It's a great little rhyme you just did there. I am Dr. Seuss. <laughs> There's just also, like, other great quotes here where we have Dustin just like, oh, my God, oh, my, oh my God, God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And then, and then copy elm and cherry <laughs> i don't know when he's just like hearing them over the it's cute the, uh, yeah he's it, it seems like they're like they think they're in an action movie i know they're, they're acting like they're in an action movie they kind of are a little bit yeah speaking of great quotes i'm kind of shocked that we did not get a brenner one-liner here he just kind of mm-hmm. like stands there and looks but he doesn't give us like remarkable <laughs> exhilarating i'm just making up things at this point <laughs> excelsior <laughs> it's not anywhere in the show i want it to be so bad <laughs> what does it mean i don't know 
<laughs> it just seems like it should be there. It's not even an adjective. <laughs> it's not. It's but it's but it's like you know like tally ho. I think you know. Like, yay! <laughs> I I don't <laughs> forget it. <laughs> just I'll just. I think he looks. Pr- doesn't he look proud? He does. Though? He looks. He looks very like, impressed. He, he does. He doesn't seem like concerned at all that that two of his agents were presumably oh, just yeah. killed in a fatal van flip. <laughs> That's so true. Disposable. Uh, there's another one. <laughs> it's a great one-liner. <laughs> so after they escape, Lucas earnestly apologizes to Elle for his behavior, and Elle apologizes for misleading the group. Mike and Lucas reconcile over their fight. <laughs> holy shit did you see what she did to that van no no dustin we missed it <laughs> in this scene i wrote why did this make me cry like well i have so a question sweet. oh okay do you forgive lucas yeah i do okay i do i do forgive him right. i thought it was very sweet that he got down to her level to apologize it was it was very nice and he apologized to mike too and they reconciled and then we had this weird like it looked like a shot that you would see in like a like a fifth grade anti-bullying video, like <laughs> where it's like two two hands shaking each other of different races mm. and we are coming yes. together and, yes. and all is well. And, and it like it like stops for a second, like in slow motion a little bit on their handshake. Right. It's like so corny, but I <laughs> think it's so cute. It's like a truce, you know, it's like I accept you. Yes. You accept me. And kids is playing. Oh yeah! The score as they're as they're forgiving each other. Wholesome. Yeah, and then we finally get the title card. It's been eighty four years. Ooh, that is a long <laughs> opening. It's not even really long, like time wise. It's just a lot happening. It is. It's a lot happening in a short amount of time. It really is. So Joyce and Hopper find Jonathan in custody. Powell shows them the stash of monster hunting. The, the and Powell shows them the stash of monster. Oh my goodness! <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Is that wine? Yeah, I took like three. I told you to lay off the wine, Janet. (laughs) I had like three sips of wine. Okay. Joyce and Hopper find Jonathan in custody, and Powell shows them the stash of monster hunting supplies in Jonathan's trunk. I had to not read it. You looked up at the sky. I had to not read it because I... Anyway. I have another question. Oh, boy. So this scene actually of Joyce and Hopper, like our, the opening scene of them at the police department, opens with some clouds. And I was just wondering if you knew what kind of clouds they were, since you're an expert on and lover of clouds. You know, I really am, but I, I didn't look. Oh. Yeah. How disappointing. I know. I, but I'm going to take a wild guess because it's fall in November mm. in, in uh, Indiana. I'm going to take a wild guess and say we have some cumulus, you know, it's it's like a clear day, but I'm going to guess we also have some cirrus clouds because it's probably a little bit windy. So there you have it. Okay. There you have it. All right. I think, I think that's not right, but I think, Did it, you look I think it up? they look like, no, 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 I didn't. But they, I, if I remember correctly, the cloud, the, the sky was covered in clouds. Oh, was it? Okay. I have the yeah, weather. We're going to have to wrong. check on this. Yeah. I have the weather incorrect. Anyway. Anyway, I'll find it. Um. <laughs> It made me laugh when Callahan goes, he assaulted a police officer. There's nothing wrong with him. Literally, my nose, He's literally nothing Literally 100% wrong. fine. <laughs> Whatsoever. Yeah, like nothing <laughs> happened. He's perfectly fine. Yes, he is. Oh my goodness. Our Callahan. 
So back at the Wheelers, Karen finds a strand of hair. It's it's, it's like a clump of, <laughs> of strands. It is a clump. What even happened? From, what is going on in that basement? I don't even know, but she finds this strand of hair. It's from Elle's wig. Just as Brenner, Connie, and a group of Hawkins National Lab soldiers come to the door to conduct a search and seizure without a search and seizure warrant. <laughs> marty b finds the benny's burgers t-shirt that l wore when the boys found her and he tells karen and ted that l is dangerous and mike is in trouble as a result you're like the marty b and benny's burgers yes (laughs) sounds like a like like a show on cartoon network or something marty b and benny's burgers (laughs) um we obviously don't like connie but her completely ignoring ted asking what happened to her hair is like is (laughs) a mood a mood. Relatable. <laughs> like, like, yes, Connie, just ignore Ted. Yeah, like, <laughs> we all do. We all, yeah. <laughs> I wrote, Car- this is Karen's first trip into the basement since 1980. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh my God, what happened down here? I mean, imagine just finding a strand of blonde hair in your son's, then, like, play area. <laughs> yeah, and then my favorite part of this is I mean, believe me, if he had a girl sleeping in this house, we'd know about it. Meanwhile, Karen just found some hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she's a real one, though, because she found that and she didn't say a word. She didn't. And her flannel in this scene, mm. Cara Buono. Yes. Is just such a, a beautiful, a beautiful woman. She really is. She is just lovely. And her flannel is just as lovely as she is. <laughs> I agree. It's it's the flannel is kind of like her version of the turtleneck, I think. It is. Yes. And Joyce was still wearing that turtleneck, by the way, in the scene prior. Wow. She really likes that turtleneck. <laughs> it is filthy. She's been wearing what it for did... three episodes. <laughs> what did we talk about about the laundry in that one episode where you did the oh. research about the laundry detergent? <laughs> yeah, that like, um, or well, I think I just found out that the like their laundry must be in the basement in, in the Wheeler house. Yeah, but you looked up a product. Oh, yeah. I think it was just starch. It was like laundry starch. <laughs> okay. Well, Joyce needs to clean her turtleneck. She does. But Cara Buono's acting like... Mm, I know. She was so freaked out. Like, it was yeah. so good. I thought... 10 out of 10. I thought the... Like, when they were searching the basement, there's an agent flipping through the D&D manual. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> What's this? It's also super weird to think about Brenner just in Mike Wheeler's basement. That's so bizarre, like, that he's been in there. Ew. Right? Ew, I don't like that in context. Like, he's violated their their space. Get out of my basement. Yeah, get the heck out of here, Brenner. Oh, that's that's yucky. I know. Also, like, yeah, Brenner is, like, extra creepy in this whole scene. He is. And. He sits down. Like, so quietly. Like, and I counted. He he blinks (laughs) twice between... The 10 minute timestamp and the 10 minute and 45 second timestamp. He blinks twice in 45 seconds. What is the normal rate of blink? I don't know. Should we Google it? I'm going to Google okay. how many times do humans blink per minute? Yeah, because this was almost a minute and he blank, blink, blinked twice. Human adults. This is ncbi.nlm.nih.gov. Okay, so we know it's real. Yeah, that website is real. Human adults blink approximately 12 times per minute. Wow. Yeah, and he only blinks and twice. In 45 yes. seconds. Man's needs some Visine or For something. Real. But I, I wrote, like, that he's so creepy. And, <clears throat> and, like, I 
in my notes, I literally wrote, Brenner's demeanor here is so creepy, IDKY. Does he not blink, question mark? And then I literally went back and counted. <laughs> and then Karen later is like, that man gives me the creep. Yeah, me too, Karen. Perceptive. Yes, because he's very creepy. He is. Yeah. So back over in the junkyard, the kids are plotting how they're going to single-handedly infiltrate Hawkins National Lab. Dustin notices a helicopter searching for them, so they hide their bikes under an abandoned bus before hiding in it themselves. <laughs> Dustin's just like, why does it say energy? <laughs> I can't. Dustin is like kind of out of character airheaded in this episode. You think so? A little, like just a couple times, like... Okay. With, like, the mad hen thing, like, okay, we've already heard her say bad men. Like, we have the context, but we'll let it slide. And then he's like, but it it can't be military. Like, why does it say energy? Like, what are they? Like, Dustin, what is happening? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I get, I get what you're saying, but I guess it's just, I had the same question. No. I think in, when we talked about vanishing of Will Byers, I was like, what does this have to do with the U.S. Department of Energy? No, I did too, but I'm, I think that Dustin is smarter than me. Twelve-year-old okay. Dustin is smarter than. No hate on you. I just think he's smart. <laughs> no, he really is. Like we, yeah, no, he's definitely smarter than us, even at this ripe age of like twelve. And so I was just shocked that that he was being uh, the same intelligence as me for a moment. Or <laughs> <laughs> <Poor> Dustin. <laughs> he says one of them. I want to say it's Mike. Says that they're building weapons, and then he like gives side eye to L. Or, like, one of them gives side-eye. Yeah. I forget which one it is, but one of them mentions that, like, oh, they're making weapons in there. And then one of them side-eyes L when they say weapons. That's creepy because I th- wasn't it in the monster where, or maybe, I don't know, I'm losing track. But doesn't Mike, ref- he refers to L as a weapon. He does. He says, she's a weapon. Rude. Rude. No, she's actually but a 12-year-old girl, but okay. She's actually a human being. Yeah. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> but also Mike in this scene being all like, we're fugitives now. He's so like, serious. Mike, calm down. <laughs> okay. I mean, he's not wrong, to be fair. <laughs> he isn't. Well, it's like later. I hate to get ahead of ourselves, but when Nancy sees the... And she, when Hopper and Joyce and Nancy and Jonathan are, like, scoping out the Wheeler yeah. house. And they see the helicopter, and Nancy's like, for Mike? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, she just cannot believe that anyone would care about him this much. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, my gosh. So, speaking of Nancy and Jonathan... So in our next scene, Nancy and Jonathan explain to the adults what happened in the woods by showing Hop and Joyce the photo of the Demogorgon. Joyce gets upset that Jonathan risked his and Nancy's lives. I'm sorry, but I just want to point out another f- flannel. Um, <laughs> hoppers. Mm-hmm. That's all. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I just, flannel count, too. All right. Uh, yeah. It's flannel season. It is. It's November in Indiana. Of course it's flannel season. So right after that, Hopper leaves the group briefly to deal with Troy's mother, who is shouting at Callahan and Powell, understandable, for ridiculing her son's story of how his arm was broken. (laughs) Why are they always ridiculing children? (laughs) That's weird. Hopper believes... Uncalled for. It really is. Hopper believes Troy when he mentions Elle's powers and asks who she hangs around with when Troy mentions those losers. Before we get to this part, I want to go back really quick to the scene before because I forgot to say it. I do feel like we have to point out Joyce's quote when she says to Jonathan, this is not yours to fix alone. You act like you're all alone out there in the world, but you're not. Mm. The only reason I bring it up is because whenever, for some reason I've done this quite a bit, whenever there's like an article about inspiring Stranger Things quotes, this quote always comes up. And it really is so good from Joyce to her son. I know. It's very sweet. And I, I do have to say like, 
I love the sentiment, Joyce, and I think that for the most part it's true, but I will say before Will disappeared, Jonathan kind of was on his own a lot. He was. He has this, in, in my opinion, I feel like he has this internalized yeah. that he's he is just alone. You know, like, that's just how he goes through life alone. Right. And, and like, yeah, and, like, not even, like, literally alone in the world, but, like, that he is an adult. Like, he's self-sustaining. He's fine. He can True. do things on his own. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, Joyce has kind of treated him that way since – or, like, before Will went missing. So I can understand why he thinks that. Yeah. No, I just – I wanted to – mention that quote because it's one of one of again this episode with the quotes it's just one of the good ones yeah i think it is she's she's got so much wisdom she really does it's that damn turtleneck it's gotta be turning her into megamind (laughs) (laughs) anyway back to troy back to troy and his mom i thought it was really funny when the the mom troy's mom mistakes him for a deputy and he's like charmed yes (laughs) yes he's like well (laughs) yes no i'm just an officer (laughs) I like it when I also I will say Callahan's like only meaningful contribution to the entire series when he's like a little girl chief, a little one, a, li- a little one, <laughs> a, a little one, a little girl chief. And then she's like, see, it's that tone. And he's like, honestly, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I think this is like when Callahan is like at his funniest. He's yeah he's this is a good I will. This redeems Callahan three points. Yeah, just a little bit because like he's really just bad at this job but he he is is very charming (laughs) (laughs) little girl chief a little one (laughs) (laughs) when um hopper is like what kind of things like did she make you do and he says piss yourself and hopper goes what (laughs) (laughs) yeah you get like a cut to him he's like what (laughs) but i also have to i just have to take a second i have to thank troy for his service yes i mean he did bring us closer to will and l and he brought Hopper and Elle together. He did. Because without Troy, this would not have transpired. No. The events and the conclusion of season one would not have been possible if Troy's little whippersnapper ass did not go <laughs> down to the police department and report the little girl chief. Just just a just little a one. Just a little one. Losers. <laughs> and st- <laughs> what losers? When when Hop is like making his realization that troy is referring to l yes. starts to rain plays which is a very mysterious song Ooh. off of the score i love that okay so after that steve nurses his very injured face with a coke can and an argument ensues because carol can't help but be completely insufferable as she always does steve almost fights tommy in an attempt to defend nancy but instead leaves abruptly to clean the graffiti off of the movie theater so i have an interesting dialect catch here dialect yes so tommy says i bet you this was the face he was making whenever he killed his brother Mm -hmm. which is by typical english syntax rules not correct it should be when he killed his brother however whenever in place of when is a really common dialectical trait in the southern u.s Hmm. specifically texas and parts of ireland which is very random random it wouldn't make sense for him to say that in indiana they wouldn't say whenever they would just say when but chester rushing who plays tommy is from houston texas wow thank you thank you that is something else yeah i was pretty proud of that one that one's so interesting. Yeah, I, I caught that and was like, whenever. That's a weird way to say that. What's even weirder is that you know that he must have not been... I mean, who knows how it was written in the That's script, That's what I was going right? to say. Like, I wonder how it was written. But I have to I have to assume that it was written as when. And it's just really interesting. I know. I know. That really struck me as, as odd because 
I've started noticing people saying whenever <clears throat> sometimes, and I, I looked it up recently because I was like, that's a really interesting language quirk that I haven't really heard much of, and I wanted to know where it was from, and then I heard it in the show. That's so cool. Yeah, I know. That's fun. As you can tell, Marina and I both have English degrees, so this is very <laughs> exciting to us. Not sure if it's exciting to anyone else. <laughs> it's still an interesting, I think it's an interesting yeah, catch. I like, thought so. I would have never even thought to look at that, like, that closely. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I almost feel bad for Tommy for like three seconds in this scene. Yeah. Like approximately three. Like he gets Steve a Coke and he gets him some like painkillers, aspirin or whatever. And then he's like, don't worry, you know, we'll get that kid back. Like if you take it out of the context of the show and you don't know who Jonathan is and you don't know what provoked the violence, it is sort of like Tommy was trying to do his friend a solid. Yeah. You know, like, don't worry, we'll get we'll get that kid back for, you know, beating the actual shit out of That's you. That's true. And he really did. Jonathan messed him <laughs> he up. He did. Good. So I do, I feel a little bit of sympathy for Tommy. Just, just for, just for a second. Yeah. Not long because he slowly, you know, falls off again. Yes. But we also learn... In this scene, and we had no context prior, if, like, this is your first watch through of this chapter, that Tommy did the spray painting, not Steve. Oh, I actually didn't. Wait, where did you hear that? I didn't even catch that. So it's really subtle. And, oh, God, I would have to go back and watch it and give you direct quote. But essentially, the implication that's made between Steve and Tommy is that Tommy was the one who did the spray painting. Mm. Because Steve's like, you didn't have to do that, or you didn't have to blah, blah, blah. And Tommy says something like, well, blah, blah, blah. So, like, yeah. the implication is that Tommy did the spray painting, and we're misled in the previous chapter to think that Steve did the spray okay, painting. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that could have been... I mean, we have no idea what went in, again, to the writing of the chapters, but that could have been, like, a do we want to give Steve a redemption arc decision because it was left open enough. Yeah. Okay. So that that helps <clears throat> us a little bit, you know, feel better about Steve. A teeny bit. Yeah. I think so. And then he goes and cleans it off the, the announcement board. Yeah. I, I had like, to wonder if turpentine is really that hard to use. I'm assuming they have turpentine. That's that's what you would use to get probably, paint off, I'm guessing. I also need to understand, and I understand why, but like how much further away are we going to put this ladder I wrote from the same cleaning thing. the graffiti? I wrote the same thing. <laughs> I said they should probably move that ladder. <laughs> like I understand in the name of getting the shot, we had to keep the ladder far enough away so that we could still read Nancy the Slut Wheeler, yeah. but move that ladder a little closer for Steven. Yes, it looked a little, he was like leaning far over that ladder. He was. Yeah. This is unnecessary. Yeah. I, I was like shocked. So yeah, I wrote the exact same thing. Unacceptable. It really is. So in the next scene, Nancy, Jonathan, Hop, and Joyce watch the soldiers take suspect items out of the Wheeler house. Worried about Mike, Nancy wonders how to find him, and Jonathan gets the idea to grab Will's supercom and contact the kids on it. Mike hears the call from Nancy, but doesn't answer at first, worried that the bad men from the lab may be tricking them. He does finally pick up when Hopper calls them here's our here's the scene that we were talking yeah. about earlier yeah <laughs> where they see the helicopter hopper points it out he's like what what is it it's like how do we know they haven't found them or something uh, yeah and hopper goes not, not yet, yet. He, points, and he points yeah to the helicopter i know yeah. and nancy's like for mike for mike <laughs> like what do you actually mean sir i know well that's funny that you said that because i wrote i feel like nancy and hopper don't have like any interactions really like together so i thought this is this was interesting to see when we were conceiving of this podcast one of the things that i thought would be so fun to do is think about the relationships that formed because of this 
series of circumstances that would have never formed. Oh, so yeah. like Nancy and Hopper. Like why would that ever be a right. thing? Why would they ever talk never. to each other? Ever. Right. Like think of it like all these people who end up coming together. Like Argyle and Dustin. Yeah. <laughs> what an interesting pair to- that will be to see. They're from two different worlds. Yeah, I I actually, I mean, not to get totally off topic, but I cannot wait to see how Argyle interacts with everyone in season five. With everybody else. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm so excited. Like, I can't wait to see more Nancy Argyle because I feel like she's going to. Oh, my God. Like, what is that? I, I, I think it's going to be a very similar arc to, like, how she and Robin became friends. Like, at first, she's going to be very mm. irritated by him. But I think yeah. she'll see his merit. <laughs> But even that's another great example. Nancy and Robin. Right. Like these two would have never. No. Ended up together. Never connected. So. Nope. Yeah. It anyway. it really did spur a lot of weird relationships. But yeah. It did. I, I, it's interesting to think about. I though. would like to see more Nancy and Hopper because I don't think they interact very often. But Nancy is really good at guns. And I feel like Hopper would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> She's good at guns. <laughs> uh, she is. We get our first. I think our first Lando reference. Is it our first? Yes, I did. I think so. Yeah, I did like a little bit of looking at that. So just for those of you who don't know, essentially what occurs is at first the kids don't trust Nancy on the supercom. They're like, what if she's essentially been taken by the bad men and are being used? So what Dustin does is he draws a comparison between Nancy and Lando Calrissian from Star Wars. Yes. And in Star Wars, like, the lore is that Lando is an old friend of Han Solo's. And in The Empire Strikes Back, he betrays Han Solo, Leia, C-3PO, and Chewbacca after striking a deal with Darth Vader. messed up. Yeah. And Vader essentially wanted to use Solo, Leia, 3PO, and Chewbacca to bait Luke. Which is, this is, like, ultimately how Han Solo ends up frozen in Carbonite (laughs) for the beginning of Return of the Jedi, etc. So I, I think the, the implication is that Nancy is like Lando and that he's compromised and she's being used as bait. Yes. To bait them. Yes. Sorry, that is my dog. <laughs> he likes Star Wars. He loves Star Wars. <laughs> Big Star Wars oh, fan. Yes. yes, he is. But yeah, I think that's really interesting too because I know there's a lot of comparisons being drawn to him being in Carbonite to Max being in like Limbo. Which is also wild when you think about the comparisons being drawn between the Emperor is to the Mind Flayer as Darth Vader is to Vecna or vice versa, however we subscribe. There's so many Star Wars parallels. I never thought about the Max one. Yeah, like it's like she's suspended in carbonite. Like we don't know what's going to happen with her in the next season. Ooh, spooky. I know. Yeah. So that was very interesting. Thank you for for telling us about Lando. Of course. (laughs) Did Did you catch anything else here? No. Okay. Is this the first time that Elle is hearing Hopper's voice? <laughs> yes. It's got to be. It is, right? Yeah. It, you know, I did actually think about that. Um, not in that sense, but when they all hear Hopper, when or when he arrives at the bus, actually. And I thought, you know, all the boys just, like, run. And Elle has no idea who this man is. So she just has to, she no. just has to trust them. No, but they do. Um, we'll get to it. Yeah. I don't want on talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to it. Oh, my it. gosh. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Too much. <laughs> Shut up, us. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> next, uh, Karen and Ted have a conversation that we were referencing earlier about how we should trust our government. <laughs> and how creepy <laughs> Papa is. And yes, that is true. They conclude that there is absolutely no conceivable way that Nancy would be wrapped up in this because they are highly observant parents. 
I don't have anything to say about this except shut up, Ted. Honestly, right? Why does he speak? I don't know. You know? And yeah, you know, Karen, you're right. That man is super creepy. But Ted, you are wrong, Ted. So wrong about everything. Very wrong, Ted. About so many things. All the things. (laughs) So back at the junkyard, several armed lab men arrive at the bus and find the bikes. Before they can get on the bus and find the kids, Hopper arrives and incapacitates them. I just wrote, like, the only thing I wrote about this scene was... Who are these random dudes in ill-fitting suits? LOL. <laughs> <laughs> That's so accurate. I have like a handful. Oh, yeah. The first thing is, it's so subtle, but Mike gets offended when Lucas says that Nancy might set them up, but not Hopper. I know. Lucas is like, maybe Nancy, but not the chief. And and Mike is like temporarily offended that Lucas would say that about his No, it's very sweet. Like he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. And then we also get Dustin. I don't feel good about this. I don't feel good about this. (laughs) And then Lucas goes, when do you feel good about anything? (laughs) And yeah, back to the lab people. I've thought this several times already, but the employees of Hawkins National Lab are incredibly white. Oh my gosh, right? I think I saw one person of color in the entire group of men from hawkins national lab also why are there only men besides connie where's the women where are they where are my evil women at come on now where are they hello maybe we should be careful what we ask for because i do feel like we might get like a really scary like an umbrage type woman in season five maybe i don't know why like from where i don't know but someone's gotta replace brenner unless vecna is just enough i don't know i don't know either maybe the mind flayer is a woman whoa Yeah, but lastly, Hopper, again, just not killing anyone, just punching people. Yep, always just punching people. Just punching people. Good for him. He's, he's, you know, he's got a moral code. He's sticking to it. All right, so everyone meets at the buyer's house where the 12-year-old characters explain the complex concept of the flea and the acrobat to the middle-aged characters. (laughs) They also explain that the gate is inside Hawkins' lab and Hopper recalls seeing it when he broke in. Joyce and Nancy ask Elle to find Will and Barb, but she is not powerful enough to locate them on the walkie-talkie. There's a lot of Nancy and Mike moments in this chapter. Like you see them when they meet outside the buyers, they run up to each other and they're like, oh my God, like you're safe, you're fine. And it's just nice to see. Very sweet. Very cute. Is that my dress? (laughs) (laughs) So cute. And it's kind of funny. Like when she said that, it it gave me the thought of like, what is Elle and Nancy's relationship after this? And they kind of become like siblings almost. Another weird one. Yeah weirdness but they but they become siblings in a really bizarre way because mike is dating l but then nancy's dating jonathan who is l's brother so nancy's brother is dating l and nancy's boyfriend is l's brother nancy's brother is dating l and nancy's boyfriend is sort of yeah. l's very brother. weird very strange and jonathan's brother is interested in l's boyfriend and nancy's brother <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Everyone needs to stop. This is not Fleetwood Mac. Okay? That's Please enough. take notes. <laughs> that is enough. We are way uh. too close to siblings here. This is getting weird. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, so as we mentioned, this is Hopper and Elle's first interaction. Is this gate underground? Yes. <laughs> she speaks in, like, lowercase. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's the opposite of... Like a, like a superscript. Oh, like, like a subscript? Sub, like if it's like yeah. Subscript. Yeah, she speaks in subscript. <laughs> I also noticed that there's a song that plays here that it sounds like it's straight off the score, but it's actually not. Oh, is it Tangerine Dream again? It's called, 
It is oh. not. <laughs> it's actually called Fields of Coral, oh. and it's by Vangelis. Oh. I've never heard Neither. of it, but I thought it was off the score. And then when I was, you know, looking at the music from the chapter, I saw that it was not off of the score. And then I was like, that sounds like it's straight off of the score. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, I wrote, does Elm already know that Barb is dead? Cause it, maybe I got like a weird feeling here that like when Nancy was asking if she could locate Barb, she seemed reluctant. Maybe she can feel that she's dead. Maybe, maybe. But then, yeah, I don't know. I think I might be wrong because then she, she would have known for a long time because Barb's been, she's been dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. And like. This this scene is also because, you know, we talked about it already. This is the first time that Elle is seeing Hopper, mm-hmm. right? Like physically seeing him. But I had mentioned earlier that this is also the first time that Elle sees Papa outside of the lab. Yeah. So it's just it's just like an L father figure-esque episode. And it made me sort of mourn that we never got a Hopper Papa like showdown or even interaction really never did they interact no No. and i think when we all saw that that chapter eight of season four was papa Mm -hmm. we were all hoping that there would be some type of hopper brenner interaction and there just was not i know i want i wanted papa bowl i really did (laughs) papa bowl (laughs) that would have been fun Popable 2022. Right? That's what I was expecting. After, or as Elle is washing herself up in the buyer's bathroom, she notices their bathtub and gets the idea to make a makeshift sensory deprivation tank. The rest of the group discusses Elle's powers and Dustin endearingly compares her to a bad battery. <laughs> so <laughs> So cute. sweet. Bad battery. But again, like, the reason why he does it, I understand, but it's just so frustrating how Elle is just continuously reduced to being like, a tool an object or an object yeah. or a weapon like kids right. she's a person she's she's a person and she didn't ask for any of this she did literally not ask for nope. a thing nope not at all do we ever see her ask for anything no i'm pretty sure we literally never see her ask for a thing except for mike to say that he loves her <laughs> <laughs> from mike from mike from mike from mike and in fact i don't even think she actually asks him she doesn't she just implies she shouldn't have to ask but anyway dustin calls mr clark at 10 p.m on a saturday night while he is trying to woo a lovely young lady and learns how to make a sensory deprivation tank learning that he needs a large quantity of salt and the group drives to hawkins middle school I'm sorry, but I think Mr. Clark deserved to have his date interrupted because he unknowingly sold out 12-year-olds to some incredibly hostile individuals. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Sorry, Mr. Clark. You gave out the addresses of some children, and now Connie and Brenner and all of them boys and girls or no girls are after her. (laughs) No girls. Or them, rather. Imagine just finding your science teacher's phone number in the phone book and then (laughs) at 10 p.m. calling your middle school science teacher on a Saturday night only to guilt them into talking to you. Wild. It's funny because I kind of had a similar thought, but it was like in the context of trying to imagine 
the other kid the kids trying to decide who's gonna make the phone call oh, right oh my <laughs> like gosh they're ordering the pizza or something like no i don't want to call you call and dustin's like i'll just i'll just call yeah because i mean truth be told dustin was the correct choice here yes mr. Clark he would call him. nobody else would want to make the phone call no but but also mr clark i'm pretty sure loves dustin more than any of the other kids yes, <laughs> yes. class what is it teacher yeah pet? for sure and we got over from the soundtrack again or score do yeah, we from the score yes over is here again okay yes and we also get why are you keeping this curiosity door locked <laughs> it's so good <laughs> i know dustin is really chock full of them this episode the script for dustin this chapter was something he's else. iconic honestly good job justin <laughs> so over at the middle school jonathan and hopper grab very large bags of salt and discuss snow days and how to kill the demogorgon Nancy and Mike grab the hose for the buyer's kiddie pool, and Nancy has Mike promise her that they'll stop keeping secrets from each other. And then when they ask each other, they both deny their respective crushes on Elle and Jonathan. Ew, gross. <laughs> no. Well, do you like Eleven? No, gross. gross. <laughs> do you like Jonathan now? No. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so defensive. Hopper grabs Jonathan so hard. <laughs> he does. He's... He's so adamant. Yeah, he is. He's very adamant about finding Will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he grabs Jonathan like by the shoulder and like it looks like it left a bruise. Like, it was like really it probably it's really did. hard. Um, also, I wrote that Nancy really is impressive here when she takes the rock and breaks the lock on the shed. She I is. Was like, and Whoa. Mike's like, Whoa. yeah, I, even I was like, oh, <laughs> dang okay i also thought that the scene of dustin and lucas trying to like set up the kiddie pool in the gym had to be somewhat improvised oh yeah right yeah i feel like that was they, just them they couldn't do that yeah that was definitely just them trying to figure out how to open up a kiddie pool like in real life yes yeah, like they're <laughs> you can't make that no. like scripted it was the way that the kiddie pool kept collapsing <laughs> in on itself it was so funny <laughs> and i love that like between the two of them they're both so smart and they can't figure out that you have to put water in it to get it to stand up yeah <laughs> So after that, Joyce sets up a makeshift blindfold for Eleven and thanks her profusely for helping them, promising her she will be there for Elle if she gets scared because she is mother of the year every year. Yes, she is. Somebody finally thanked Elle for her service. Yeah. And this is the first time an adult or like a parent figure has ever given her any sort of affirmation or anything like that. And it was very sweet, but also very sad. It was. And I feel like Elle doesn't totally know how to reply yeah. to Joyce thanking her. Yeah, she does not know what to do with that information. What is thanks? <laughs> <laughs> so the kiddie pool finally gets filled up with water and salt. Dustin, Mike, and Lucas use eggs to test the water's salinity. Eleven gets in, entering her mind void. She finds Barb's dead body and Will in a decaying version of Castle Byers. She relays a message from Joyce and Will tells them to hurry. This is like the second to last scene of this chapter. Kind of, yeah. And it's really interesting to watch it kind of unfold, I feel like. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It's interesting that, like, one of the last scenes of this episode actually takes place in the void. Mm. Yeah. They did so much work to get her in that bathtub, and she's in there for, like, five minutes. I know. <laughs> so much I salt, know. so much effort, so so many eggs eggs actually i wrote if you look closely you can see the hole that is poked in the bottom of the egg where they took all the stuff out to oh, make it flow 
Interesting. Yes. I, I said that the part with the eggs always made me want to try to make like a mini sensory mm-hmm. deprivation tank just to make eggs. Float. I know it's kind of fun, <laughs> but yeah, they they clearly yeah. got everything out of the egg and it's just a shell that's floating at thirty one oh nine. Did you catch when Elle takes off her watch before she gets into the pool? Yeah. And she hands it to Mike and he puts it right onto his own wrist. Oh, so cute. It's just sweet. I like to see I know. that. And I mean, the good news is that he has his watch and she does not go into the wherever she goes. When she kills the Demogorgon and then gets like blasted into the upside down, she is not wearing the watch, which is great for Mike. He gets to keep his watch. I wonder why she removes the watch. You think it was just to not get it yeah, wet? Yeah, that, that's my guess. I guess she knows well enough to not put electronics in the water. Yeah, that mm-hmm. makes sense. I don't like that you see the slug coming out of Barb's mouth. That's really disgusting. But I do think it maybe sort of leads us back to like the are humans hosts yeah. for upside down creatures. Yes theory like do are they using human bodies as hosts or like incubator kind of things like incubators yeah i think it brings us back there a bit so like we see will yep throw up or cough up or hack up dart at the end of season one wait is that dart 100 percent. that's dart who else would that be (laughs) did you not realize that was dart i did it (laughs) (laughs) that is dart it has to be right because how did that thing get into the world yeah, unless it like crawled through the gate <laughs> wow <laughs> like an inchworm no that's to- my yeah. perception was that the slug that will coughs up in the final scene of season one is dark I mean, that makes sense yeah wow because you actually get will get a flashback of himself coughing up the slug in season when he two, sees dark when he makes the realization that dustin has found this critter we gotta look and see if when will coughs it up if it has like the yellow spot yeah, it is totally dark yeah, that you're Will probably pops right. up. Speaking of Barb being super dead, I wrote, please no, no Tendril, because Tendril oh, yes. <laughs> off of the score plays here, and it is my least favorite track. It is so scary. It scares me every time. Um, but she is dead dead. Like, she's she's, she's real dead. dead. Real dead. Yeah, it it is bad. And the other question I have, I mean, I obviously want to talk, like, I want to just acknowledge Joyce telling Elle that it's okay and Elle hearing that through the void and it's like echoey and you watch Elle maintain her strength after she hears Joyce assuring her that it's going to be okay and it just every single time that scene it gives me chills every time hearing Joyce reassure her I know it's so that it's going to be okay sweetie and it's very reminiscent of season four when Mike reaches in and tells Elle that he loves her while she's trying to battle Vecna yes yes it is I hate that I have to say this but I'm going to say it Elle shows up to Castle Byers and is talking to Will, telling him everything's going to be okay, blah, blah, blah. And then who shows up two seconds later? The Demogorgon. Because who do you think heard her in there? And maybe sent a Demogorgon. I don't know. Maybe Henry? I don't know who that is. Never heard of that guy. <laughs> I, I just, like, it, it just seemed too too there. Interesting. Like, I've, okay. I always wondered, like, okay, did the, the Demogorgon hear him, hear her? Like... But I, I think it's possible that it's Henry. So, like, we're saying that Vecna heard L more or less enter the upside down in this, like, psychic plane, yeah. the void. Yeah. And he sicked the Demogorgon on Will in that moment. Yeah. W- like, my theory would be, like, because Henry and L already share a psychic connection, which we know, like, at this point, 
then he was able to sense that she was in there, meaning it led it led him straight to where Will was hiding. Okay. Yeah. That's my okay. guess. I can appreciate right? that. I mean, yeah. again, in case it wasn't abundantly clear, I do not subscribe to the fact that Vecna is the big bad here. But I, I will cede to the fact that he has been around. Yeah. And I think the the idea that he's not the big bad can exist concurrently with the fact that he maybe was present in season yeah, one. I agree. To some extent. I, I think they can exist at the same time. Yeah, I agree. The only other thing that I would like to point out is I just want to know who sneezed all over Castle Byers. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> because that fort needs like mucinex oh ASAP. My God. There is so much sneeze juice all over Castle <laughs> Byers. Sneeze juice. Ew. <laughs> Covered in sneeze juice, top to bottom. That sounds like another Dr. <laughs> Seuss term. Sneeze juice. <laughs> sneeze juice. Ew. Uh, all right. Well, Hop tries to leave the middle school to go find Will after asking Joyce where Castle Byers is, but Joyce insists that she goes with him to the lab because, <clears throat> are you kidding me? He's my son. Hop, my son. Thank you. Uh, that was special instructions from Marina to do a Joyce impression. Uh, <laughs> Nancy and Jonathan agree to lure the Demogorgon away to keep them safe in the Upside Down. Joyce? <laughs> Joyce, come I love on. when he says Joyce like that. He says it in season three, too, when he's like, Joyce, drive! Yeah. <laughs> Off go the parents of the century. Yeah, yeah, they really are. So we have um, a picture here of Jonathan and Nancy sitting in front of the mascot, mm -hmm. and it's a tiger. Yeah. And I'm just wondering why the Hawkins mascot, mascot. <laughs> We're British now. <laughs> <laughs> why the hawkins mascot isn't a hawk wow wow that never occurred to me but that would be is that not that'd be much better does that not work it it, it should work it should work but it, yeah okay. i don't know why they're the tigers that's a great great observation hawkins yeah and they're <laughs> sitting in front of uh, just a replica of a mural from our high school from our pretty high weird school. It is a little weird. <laughs> and it's it's sad that Nancy just has to accept this news so quickly of Barb being gone. Yeah. And she just immediately has to spring back into action. She doesn't get the chance to properly grieve her best friend. And it's very sad. It is sad. It's just like, and maybe a part of her knew it, but when Elle says gone, gone, and she starts yelling gone, mm -hmm. which is what makes Joyce comfort her to begin with, you watch Nancy get like startled. Yeah. Yeah. Just her reaction in that scene, like, really, it's it's very heartbreaking. Like, you can see it across her face that she's trying to to mm -hmm. process this information and also, like, it, it's confirmation. Problem right? solve. And, and problem solve, right? And, and try to figure out, like, okay, what does this mean? What do we do he from here? So Joyce and Hopper arrive at Hawkins National Lab, but um, it's a very short-lived expedition because they are immediately <laughs> caught. Did you catch that the security guard in the scene is listening to the radio and the transmission is about Russia? No, I did not. Yes. Yes. They're talking about the Cold War in Russia. Oh, man. That's amazing. Yeah. During this time, also, Nancy and Jonathan sneak back into the police station to go. Police department. To go get yes. their stuff back. And mm -hmm. I noticed that Nancy steals the fire extinguisher. I'd never noticed that before. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, right? Because the intention is to set the Demogorgon right, on fire. Right. So it makes sense. Which they ultimately they do. do. It makes sense that she needed a fire extinguisher. So, yeah. 
Lots of thinking right? ahead. I know. Really good problem solving here. So a freezing will is singing, should I stay or should I go in the fetal position in the upside down inside his castle buyers. And then the Demogorgon arrives, ripping castle buyers apart and attacks him. We don't see the attack occur, yes. but we know at this point that Will has been, he got yeah, that. Yeah, he did. Is, the final scene of chapter Is seven. Will wet? Is he slimy? Like what? It's the sneeze <laughs> juice. Ew, sneeze juice. Ew. Uh, he's still wearing his backpack, I'd like to point out. Well, I wonder, because th- that's interesting that you mentioned the, the backpack, because I noticed the drawings. Hmm. Did he put the drawings up in Castle Byers, or is the idea that the drawings are up in Castle Byers in Hawkins, so they are replicated in the Upside Down's version of Castle Byers? Yeah, that would be my guess. They're, they were already there in the real world. So they're already there. So it's just interesting because they are black and white, the drawings, in oh, Castle Byers. I didn't notice that. Yeah, they're not color drawings. They're they're shown like in gray scale or black Very and cool. white. So if he had put them there, I was going to say maybe he had them in his backpack and he put them up when he got there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to decorate I mean, a bit. you know. This place is looking drab. <laughs> you got to make it work, okay? All right. This is an infuriating ending. It was an infuriating ending because we just, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, okay. We do know what's going to happen because luckily all the episodes came out at the same time and we weren't really left <laughs> hanging. But well, the other thing I think about this ending in particular, and this is just oddly specific, when it cuts to the credits, there's no music. True. It's just like ambient noise, isn't it? Yeah, it's just quiet. And then I think the music eventually kind of kicks in. All right. Well, that is our last scene of this chapter. Chapter seven, the bathtub. So Marina, who is your MVP for this episode? So I have the most controversial MVP of the entire podcast. I'm so excited. And it goes to Troy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My face just And dropped. it's not because he's a good person. <laughs> he is a terrible child. He he's a tyrant. He but he leads Hopper to L. And I cannot overlook that mm-hmm. fact. Thank you, Troy. But also, honorable mention, I think L for sure to me and also joyce yeah yeah joyce really kills it so yeah yeah <clears throat> troy was my mvp for the bath the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> okay who was yours are you ready for this one no it's gonna be lucas i'm giving it to lucas Good. yeah yeah Good. lucas deserves he does. it in this episode i am finally giving lucas mvp because he immediately tried to warn the others after seeing the bad men roll yes. out the bad men yeah like he really paul revered it he he was on his way he was he was warning everybody and paul revere he apologized to l very earnestly he apologized to mike very earnestly and he learned from his mistakes and grew into a better person and for that he He deserves mvp i like that mvp lucas all right what about lvp so mine was probably this one was hard for me because everybody nobody really did anything wrong this episode it was i mean i couldn't just resort back to tommy because that's just a cop out so i picked brenner me too (laughs) because he's just continuously careless with the lives of children like why is your van driving straight at a group of 12 year olds i agree i i said pretty much the same thing i said in addition to his general awfulness he's extra terrible in this episode he is manipulating a very scared mother in order to imprison a 12 year old girl and is willing to take down the lives of some other 12 year olds just to get her back and pretty much anybody else and he doesn't blink yeah and apparently he does not blink no blinks. very creepy no blinks for yes (laughs) 
That's funny. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we have we have Lucas and Troy as our MVPs and Brenner as our LVP. What a time. What a time. So wrong answers only. Sure. I do have a question. I, I do too. You want to go first? Okay. Sure. So I genuinely, this isn't like, this isn't a funny, this isn't okay. a funny. This is, I genuinely do not understand. How did the Hawkins National Lab employees know that the kids were in the junkyard? Good question. I don't know. I guess maybe they just kind of fanned out in the direction that they saw them going, but I don't know. Wrong answers only. I'm trying to think. Okay. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what? Ted Wheeler. What? Ted Wheeler is a narc, okay? Ted Wheeler is a <laughs> shithead. He's a narc. And look at me go. And yeah, he's terrible. And he thinks that the government has his best interests at heart. Well, buddy, I have terrible news for you, okay? They don't. Or your son. And he definitely was like, oh, yeah, I know where they hang out, and it's at the junkyard. There you go. <laughs> Do they hang out at the junkyard? Okay, they don't hang out at the junkyard. But I don't know. It could be a place that they go. They have gone before to like do I don't know whatever boys do. I mean they end up there in season they two. Do. So who's to they say? do right? Like so it might be a hangout. I don't know. My other like semi serious idea is that maybe well okay to be fair like Ted Wheeler narking is kind of semi serious because I could see him doing that, but I don't know how he would know that information. But my other semi serious suggestion is that they tapped into the walkie talkie channel. Oh, I like that one. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's Fair my enough. answer, I think. Yeah. Okay. My question is, please tell us how Mr. Clark met his lady friend. Well, remember how in our Many Worlds Interpretation episode, mm -hmm. we talked about how he totally, totally <laughs> yep. went to that talk yep. or that- It was a conference. Was it? Who yeah, was for- it? Um, it was a conference. Yeah, and it was, it was Hugh Everett who was speaking. Yeah. Okay. So he went to Everett's conference, wherever that mm -hmm. was, and I think that was, you know, a little bit earlier, but he was young and he met this fine woman <laughs> at this conference who shared his passion for physics yep. and quantum mechanics. And at the time he was seeing someone. Oh, scandalous. So he couldn't. Yeah. He, cause this was years, this was years prior. I think this was the seventies. So he couldn't pursue um, Jen <laughs> then. So what he did after his relationship ended was he was like, you know what? I met that fine lady that one time and he called up Jen and he was like, you want to come over? And, you know, it's been a while. I know I met you like 10 years ago. <laughs> you might look different, but that's where he met her. He met her at the Hugh Everett conference for many worlds interpretation, like in the 70s. Wow. I love that answer so much. I was kind of hoping that's what you would say, actually. Yeah. Like, that that was what I had in mind. I, I imagine Mr. Clark meeting a, a lovely young lady at a conference. Okay. Well, that's what he did. Oh, so sweet. All right. What about uh, if all of this happened in 2022? So the only thing that I came up with was that there wouldn't be, like, the whole how do we reach the kids conundrum because they would have just had phones and Nancy could have just FaceTimed Mike and been like, mm -hmm. hey, where are you? And he couldn't – he could have just, like, flipped his camera around and been, like, on this bus. And they <laughs> – 
Like they would have been able to very clearly see Nancy and known that it wasn't like a Lando situation and there wouldn't have been that whole thing, but it probably wouldn't have saved that much time because then eventually yeah. Hopper just got on the walkie anyway and the kids were life, like, okay, like the chief wouldn't be corrupt. So my only thing was they could have just FaceTimed the kids and seen them on the bus. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you have anything? I did. And it was that they would not need to call Mr. Clark at 10 p.m. on a Saturday because they would just Google it. Oh, yeah. Fair yeah, enough. They would, just, they would just Google how to make a sensory deprivation tank. I bet you anything that there's like a calculator Wiki out there how. where you just, yeah, or, or like where you put in the weight of whoever you're trying to uh, deprive and uh, <laughs> they give you how much salt you need to use. Oh, my God. Yes. I bet you there is. So, the, But yeah. then we would have never gotten the why are you keeping this curiosity door locked? Yeah, so which is, I mean, unacceptable. a great quote. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for chapter seven, the bathtub. Any Anything else? One more chapter in okay. season one. I know. I know. I can't believe it. Yeah. I cannot believe it. Well, just a couple other things that I wanted to mention before we wrap up. So one thing is that our next episode is going to be a very special episode. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. We're going to be celebrating Halloween a little bit with y'all. A little bit early. Freak. <laughs> sorry so we're gonna do a little bit of a, a creepy episode next week and marina is gonna teach us a little bit about what are we teaching the what are vile we vortices whoa okay careful very excited They're out there i'm i'm scared <laughs> yeah we're gonna do a spooky um, episode i'm so excited i don't really know much about this and um much like we did for the many worlds interpretation episode marina is gonna teach me and and we're gonna learn together I'm going to learn so, you. <laughs> and the other thing I just wanted to mention is that we received a super nice DM on Instagram today from one of our Instagram followers named Tori. Oh, we did. And yeah. And we just want to say thank you because we really appreciate the love and all of our listeners out there. So if you like us, uh, please let us know because we crave validation. Thank you. <laughs> Shout out to Tori. <laughs> thank you, Tori. <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, everybody. Stay strange. Stay strange. To keep in touch and stay informed about upcoming StarCourt Study Hall episodes, follow us on Twitter at SSHpod and on Instagram at StarCourt Study Hall. With it when in when <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> my sentence just deteriorated in the middle of it um yeah in the next chapter when she yeah. oh what happened when, when she when uh